Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we got Auntie Shanti in the building. <laughs> What's up? Hi, Auntie Shanti. Hi, Dr. Shonda. It's such a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. I know it's been a long time coming. Yes, it has. And I'm so proud of you. I feel like definitely when watching my niece thrive, my play niece, you are just so awesome. And just to watch you through the pandemic and to see where you are now, I mean, it's a blessing and I'm very proud of you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it's definitely been a pleasure watching you and all the things that you're doing in the pandemic. I know um, we started like as a pandemic relationship, but I recently got to see you in person. I so. know. <laughs> Thank you for coming to the A and blessing us with your presence at our second annual Suicide Awareness Summit. It was oh really good. And you were on this amazing panel with the artist Mona Leo, who is fantastic out of Houston. She's really brave and and has such an incredible story so yeah it was all good yes yes the listen y'all the the event was done in the spirit of excellence every speaker was just like phenomenal and so transparent i loved it um and we're going to talk more about it but auntie shanti can you introduce yourself to the people absolutely so yes my name is shanti das and sometimes i'm referred to as auntie shanti i'm from the a from atlanta um, used to work in the music business for a long time, but now I am a mental health advocate and I'm the founder of Silence of Shame, which is a mental health awareness and education organization. I love it. And you guys, Auntie Shanti does do- so many different things, events, uh, community service for people who are experiencing mental health um, challenges. And I think it's such a, um, I-, I think you're a gem to our community. I-, I really feel as though, yeah, for real, for real, because I really feel as though um, the-, the conversation of mental health has definitely been buzzing lately, especially during the pandemic. But I really think you helped to push that movement forward, especially considering like the connections that you've had being in the music industry for so long. Um, so like, you know, I, I definitely think that you're a gem for real. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I am grateful that I was able to kind of reach back into my music community, um, to, to jumpstart the movement. You know, I, and we'll, I know we're going to talk about this later, but you know, with me going through my own emotional health and wellness challenges, now I've been really kind of at this now for like seven years. Um, you know, from when I had my own suicidal ideation. So it was just a blessing to see folks in the music community support me and the movement and to support their own mental health, even before the pandemic, you know, before it really became, you know, such a national and global conversation. So I am grateful to kind of, you know, have been one of the folks to to, to lead the charge in our community as so many other great people doing things, but um, it feels good. Yes. Yeah. Can can you tell us, and not to even like, you know, brag or name drop, but can you please tell us some of the people and the artists that you've worked with previously? Because the people got to know like who we have in the building. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I got my start um, oof, back in the day when I was in college at Syracuse University. Um, and then when I got out of college, because I interned at Capitol Records while I was at Syracuse. And when I graduated, I got a job at LaFace Records. And the very first record I worked was Players Ball from Outcast. So 
I did all the promotions for Outcasts. Um, I launched, helped to launch Usher's career early on, doing all his promotions and stuff. Um, I worked with TLC back in the Crazy Sexy Cool tour until the rest of their albums, fan mail. Um, let's see, Tony Braxton. And then I moved to New York City. I got to work with like Vivian Green, Life Jennings, Jermaine Dupree, um, Prince, um, gosh, Erica Badu, Ashanti. I've worked some, with some pretty cool artists in the past. Legendary. Very. <laughs> really. And, and that really just like leads to my, my first question for you. So you've had like this very uh, expansive list of like different artists that you were able to work with. You have a very successful music career. Um, I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast who may have had uh, different times in their career where they might have felt burnt out. And I mm -hmm. wonder, like, have you ever experienced that? Uh, even though you were very successful at what you were doing. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So I think my first, like, <laughs> the first time I really felt burnt out was like in, um, what year was it? 2001, 2002, when I had moved to New York City. And so working at LaFace Records, it was a dope situation because it was like a smaller boutique label. But when I moved to New York, it was more corporate, um, a lot of politics and that sort of thing. And I think that was the first time um, that I ever really felt burnt out, stressed out. I remember being at the airport and I was headed to Miami for an MTV shoot with one of our artists. And I just had a meltdown in the airport. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I felt like I was constantly being overlooked. I had a lot of workplace trauma that I was dealing with and I just didn't know how to process through it. You know, I'm talking, you, you know, almost 20 years ago. So we didn't really talk about mental health and wellness in the workplace um, like we are doing now. So I internalized a lot of my stress. And that was the first time during that time period that I uttered the words, maybe I should just kill myself. Mm -hmm. And that scared me, Dr. Shonda, because my dad died by suicide when I was a baby. But I always had this feeling in the back of my mind that like either something was wrong with me or you know, I was afraid that I would, you know, have that same ideation or want to do it. And sure enough, I at least, you know, talked about it at that time. So that's when I first had, I guess, my first real bout with um, stress and anxiety and wow. almost having a meltdown. Wow. Wow. So yeah. it was it was the 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 uh, stress associated with this successful career. It was it was the just, you know, a really high paced and, and, and high stress job. And it caused me to get to a point where I didn't know how to handle my emotions. And then that triggered me remembering a lot of the questions that I always had in the back of my mind about my dad's suicide. Cause I never really went to counseling to deal with it. So when I said that my sister had encouraged me, she was like, you know, you've got a lot of unresolved trauma and things that you need to deal with from our father's past and, and, you know, him dying by suicide, which again, she thinks, you know, attributed to a lot of my trauma that I dealt with and, you know, at that time. And so I went to therapy finally for the first time and I went for about three or four months and it, it did help. And I talked a lot about, you know, some of the, the trauma um, from my dad's suicide, a lot of what I was dealing with. And, you know, the therapist, she gave me like some some healthier ways to cope during that time. So I was OK for a while. And then 
you know, fast forward, you know, maybe six years later, I kind of went through something similar. Yeah, I I love how transparent you are. I think, you know, it's so valuable being able to hear your story uh, because it it is Suicide Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. So many people, whether they, you know, are public about it or not, are experiencing suicidal ideations and suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts, whether it is related to family dynamics or even career-related stress, um, especially like in that uh, millennial Gen Z age group. Um, and, and you you kind of already alluded to this, but I'm wondering if you can kind of dig deeper into like how suicide has impacted you and your family and what that was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was seven months old. My father died from a gunshot wound to the head. And um, it's interesting because we are in Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And September 26th was the anniversary of my dad's suicide. Um, I've gotten to a point now because it's been so long ago that I, you know, I'm not just super sad about it and I can celebrate his life. But of course, I still think a lot about it. Um, and I, because I never really knew my dad, I was seven months old. You know, people used to say to me like, oh, well, you know, it shouldn't be that bad. Or I'm surprised, you know, you took it so bad. But I'm like, I don't care that I didn't know him. I know that he died by suicide. That is my father, one half of me, right? In terms of my genes and my DNA. And I always wanted, you know, to have a relationship with my dad and to know him. And that's just, you know, it's so many questions, you know? And I was like, you know, why did he leave us like that? Why would he do that? You know, did he not want to have another child? You know, it was all of those things and you start blaming yourself. So that was very hard on our family. My, I had two I had two siblings. My sister was, um, I want to say, eight and a half at the time. And my brother was about five and a half, I think, when my dad died. And so it was obviously tough on them and my mother having to raise three children. So we did the best that we could. Unfortunately, we didn't go to therapy as a family. And I think that's why a lot of us kind of went through our own individual struggles as we got older. And uh, my sister actually... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Broke that generational curse, if you will, and put herself in therapy when she was in college. So she was one of the first ones in our family to actually get the help that she needed Um surrounding my dad's death. And it was really tough on her because my mom leaned heavily on her to help raise us, but she was still dealing with the trauma of it all. And it happened in she and my brother's room. So that was really sad and and terrible. So, so that happened. And then when I got older, um, you know, went through my own challenges and quit and walked away from the music business, um, just from like stress and, and some you know, depression, but I didn't, it wasn't named depression at the time, but I knew I was sad and I knew I I was withdrawing and I had all the classic signs and symptoms of being depressed in 2010. And then I also had some physical health issues. So when I came back to Atlanta, you know, things were okay. It was up and down. I wasn't in therapy. I wasn't, you know, diagnosed or anything, but again, I knew some of my signs and symptoms. Then in 2014, my best friend died by suicide and I talked to her the day before it happened. So that was really awful on so many levels. And it happened the same way that my dad's death did. So it was a gunshot wound to the head. So 
I blame myself. And I know that is the one thing that we teach that you're not supposed to blame yourself and you're not responsible when your loved one or friend or colleague or someone that you know takes their own life. But we're always trying to think of like, what did I miss? What could I have done differently? Um, But I kind of talked myself into a downward spiral. And then that also triggered a lot of the other stress and trauma and drama, if you will, that I had dealt with. And so I came close to taking my own life in 2015. So many things that you're you're saying here that I definitely want to um, just really uh, expound on. So one one reason I love to have people on here to like tell their story is because like I feel like as professionals in this space, we hear about the stats, we hear about like the treatment modalities and the treatment protocols and the things that we're supposed to do and say. So it's easy to get desensitized to when people are talking about suicide. Um, especially like, you know, me, I worked in a a behavioral hospital for many years. So everybody there experienced suicide. So anytime I was like training other professionals or training like students that I was working with, I will always encourage them not to get desensitized to this Mm -hmm. because there's all there, there are human beings behind these stories. Mm -hmm. And I love how you're, you're bringing out like the self blame, how your family was impacted. Like all these things are really important for us to really, um, but like really dig into, because I, I think that this is a shareable experience for so many. Um, even going off the self-blame you were talking about, I wonder, like, how did you navigate that for those who might be listening who could be experiencing the same thing? So it took a, a lot for me to deal with that. Um, you know, of course, my friends were like, it's not your fault. You know, she had been sad or depressed or these were just things she was going through. So it took a lot of, you know, just talking through it. Um, a lot of prayer, quite honestly. But um, I think it was me getting to my own breaking point where um, I just realized that I had talked myself so much into a downward spiral and then started dealing with a lot of my own traumatic issues that um, I don't think I handled it the right way in terms of coping. So I would just say to to anyone, you have to bestow grace upon yourself Um Losing anyone that you know, whether it's a family member, a friend or colleague is one of the hardest things, you know, I think you'll ever experience. And because, you know, oftentimes people do it and they don't leave a note and whether even if they do leave a note, it doesn't make it any easier. Right. To process through. But, you know, it's just so many questions and and it's easy to blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. But you have to bestow grace upon yourself and know that it, it wasn't your fault. Um. And I would, you know, really um, suggest, strongly suggest talk therapy um, and as well as grief support, because it's really important that you talk through those problems. And probably I think the biggest thing that I did initially, I eventually started talking to my friends about it, but I internalized a lot of that and I kept a lot of that inside. And that's just not healthy. And you have to talk through it with somebody so that, you know, again, you can be encouraged and know that it wasn't your fault. Yeah. And and so I wonder, um, Shanti, because like internalization is such a common coping uh, or defense mechanism, pretty much. Yeah. I wonder like what what had you internalizing? Like what was a barrier to you sharing this information to other people? Um, well, it was because I had talked to her the day before it happened. So mm-hmm. I felt like I possibly could have stopped it from mm-hmm. happening. Um, you know, when I was talking to her. We were talking about like 
helping her find new doctors for you know the physical health challenges she was going through and the mental health challenges. And I kept, you know, trying to play back that conversation in my head, like, what were the signs? What did I miss? And you know, I wasn't a mental health advocate at that time. I had not gone through my own suicidal ideation. So there was a lot that I didn't know. Um, so it, it was just me just being sad and um, I almost felt ashamed of myself because of her death that I couldn't avoid what had happened. Wow. So wow. I, I kept a lot of that inside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that shame piece is, is so important. Shame, yeah. It, it's, it's one of those emotions that's so complicated, uh, has so many different layers and can cause us to to basically avoid. Like, yeah. And, and like I said, you know, it would have been extremely difficult losing her because she was one of our best friends in our crew. But the fact that I talked to her hours before it happened, yeah. that just took me somewhere else. Because I was like, you're kidding right now. Yeah. Like, I was giving her advice on new doctors. And I was thinking I helped her. Mm-hmm. So I was like, did I say something wrong? Did I miss it? And, you know, ultimately, I don't blame myself now. I, I know it wasn't my fault. But when it was fresh and it had just happened, it was really difficult to process through. I can only imagine. I can imagine that the weight associated. Yeah. With Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so I wonder for you, Shanti, like when you you went through therapy, like what at what moment did you feel this weight as we're describing it being lifted? Like how, how did you kind of get to that point? So I when I first um, so that happened in 2014 when she passed and then my suicidal ideation almost came one year later, quite honestly, because her funeral was in September of 2014, early part. And then I had my suicidal ideation one year later, Mm -hmm. like that third week of September, ironically in Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. But again, that month, I I didn't know about championing the month and being able to, to, you know, to learn about suicide prevention. So um, it took me getting the help that I need from my pastor. And then I went to see a psychiatrist at first. I didn't do talk therapy initially. When I went through my suicidal ideation, I started on antidepressants and I probably didn't start therapy um, until a couple of years later. What I started doing was kind of I call it digital journaling, which is just sharing on social media and opening up and sharing my story and really talking about it and talking about how that affected me and trying to like unpack those layers of shame and stigma with my own story. And so that helped me a lot. And once I started talking to other clinicians, you know, and Silence of Change started as a hashtag and then became a movement, I kind of talked through things, but I wasn't in formal therapy. Mm -hmm. And I probably went through three or four therapists until I found the right one that I liked. Mm -hmm. So I will say early on, it was me actually doing the work as an advocate that helped to really alleviate a lot of the shame and the stigma and things that I went through and seeing how many people wanted to attend some of our sessions or the celebrities that signed on with us. It really helped knock down a lot of that shame from my dad's death, her death, as well as my own suicidal ideation. And then now, you know, I'm, I'm still in therapy now because I've, you know, lost two family members over the last three, <clears throat> excuse me, last three years. It was really difficult for me. And 
I understand all of that better now because we talked through a lot of that, but I didn't do what I should have done. I should have gone through talk therapy immediately once I went through my suicidal ideation. I just got on my antidepressants and then just kind of dived in head first into being an advocate. It's almost like advocating was a, a sense of healing for you. Like it was, and it was like my form of therapy, although I, that's not clinical, right? But it, I guess a form of self-care or wellness, I'll say that. Yeah. So yeah, that, that is what I did. I just, um, you know, I pretty much gave up my music career, um, you know, years before that. But any hopes of even or considerations of doing it, I just was like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. I got to save other people. Here I am, you know, having saved myself and now I get it. Like, hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. This monkey, I got that monkey off my back of you know, the pain and the trauma, all those years of my dad and then my best friend and then, you know, me kind of hitting rock bottom. And I was like, if I can do that and God gave me um, the strength and courage to get the help, then I want to be able to put this out there in the world and make this global and add to all the other great work that was already being done. Yeah. I I often talk to people who uh, sometimes get discouraged when they feel like they started therapy, but the mm. them and the therapist isn't clicking. It sounds like you went through three or four therapists. I did. <laughs> I did. And so, you know, and I feel like, you know, I know oftentimes, especially in our community, we want somebody that looks like us. Yeah. I want to say it doesn't always have to be like that. But I, I also, on the other hand, understand that it does help. Like for me, I had a like the first therapist I ever had was an older white lady when I was in New York City. Mm-hmm. Then when I got back home, I talked to, um, I, I had some therapy sessions over the phone. Um, my sister had recommended someone for me out of North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure she was licensed in North Carolina and Georgia. So she was able to do some telehealth sessions with me. That was like before I kind of went through my suicidal ideation and when I was having problems in it might have been a couple right after. So, and then, so I talked to her, but then I was a little weird. Cause I was like, well, she knows my sister, even though I know she's not going to say anything. So I was like, let me find somebody else. Then I had an older white man in Atlanta. I went to about four or five sessions with him. Nice guy, but he just, he didn't get it. I think he, he dealt with more. Well, let me not say he didn't get it. I think he dealt with more crisis management So I was past the point of crisis, but I was just still trying to heal. So he wasn't just a good therapist to have on an ongoing basis. So I didn't have him. 
Then in the pandemic, one of my good friends who is also a therapist, she was like, child, you still need therapy. <laughs> she was like, come on, what am I gonna do? I was like, but I do all this work and I'm helping other people. She was like, you still need to be in therapy yourself. And so she gifted me five free sessions. Yes. And again, it was, gr- the lady was nice, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. Well, what I will say that did for me is it jump started something in me going, okay, you still really should be in therapy. Mm-hmm. And therapy isn't just for when things are going wrong. You can actually go to therapy when life is going okay or things are good. And so, and I was still processing through the grief. So I'm proud to say that I've been with the same therapist. I found an African-American female who just kind of could relate to me and my culture and different things. And I've been seeing her for a year straight now. Wow. Yeah. That's good. It's been a lot of ups and downs for me. But again, I've learned a lot being an advocate and from the work that I do and you know, interviewing clinicians like yourself or having these community conversations or having our podcast. So I am equipped, if you will, now with the tools. I know what to do if I'm feeling anxious or if I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, too much in my head or kind of about to go on a downward spiral and, you know, feel myself going in the valley. I know how to pull myself back up. But I also recognize the fact that being able to talk to someone like yourself who is a professional who can just speak objectively about my life and just help me kind of do things differently with my wellness plan is something that I need and it should be a non-negotiable. Absolutely. So I, I wonder like, so prior to the journey of finding that right therapist, mm-hmm. one thing that you would have told yourself before you started regarding like, you know, finding a good therapist, maybe a piece of advice you would tell yourself? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, the one piece of advice that I think I would have told myself to find the right therapist is just don't give up on it. Okay. Because I had, um, there were like lags, right, of time in between me finding a different therapist. And it's just like dating, right? If you make up your mind and you're ready to date somebody, you're going to put yourself out there. You're going to keep on dating. You're not just going to let one, you know, bad person, you know, one monkey don't stop the show, as they say. But for me, I think I kind of got frustrated with therapy. And I was like, oh, so I kept, you know, I go for a couple months, stop, you know, start back. And so I would have told myself to just be consistent with it. because That's no different when you're trying to find any other kind of doctor or, you know, if you see a pair of shoes you want, and they ain't got them in your size at this one store, you will stay on the internet for three hours until you exactly. find <laughs> consistent with your mental health folks. It goes the same way. You got to really be consistent. So that's what I would have done and not not gotten discouraged. That's the word of the day. Consistency. Consistency. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel as though like, you know, I, I t- again, I talk to so many people who are like, well, I talk to this therapist and they're just not for me and they give up. And it's so important to be just as consistent. Like, yeah. you know, like you said about our pair of shoes. Like be consistent about our health. It's easy. It's so easy to get discouraged and give up because therapy and mental health is scary to some people. It's still taboo, even though a lot of people are talking about it. Not everybody is still in it. And so it's easy to just play like, you know what? I don't need this anyway. And that's what we do sometimes. And that's not how we should approach it. And to your point, you have to be consistent about your health. Health is health. Mental, physical, it's all our health. 
And so you got to be on it and you got to stay on top of it. Exactly. Exactly. And so I love how you're like sending these reminders to the community in general about the importance of us staying on top of our health, even being aware of things like suicide. You recently had an event in Atlanta, which was like just amazing. Um, So can you tell us a bit about the My Life is a Gift Summit that you had? Yeah. So last year um, in 2021, we did our very first My Life is a Gift Suicide Summit, and it it focused a lot around musicians and creatives, obviously, because of the work that I did in the music industry. So we featured different folks, but it was all virtual because, you know, a lot of companies were still kind of in hybrid situations. So this was our first in-person event that we did in Atlanta at the gathering spot. And it really focused on the mental health and wellness um, and healthy ways to cope for youth and young adults. So we had some amazing panels and you, of course, were our resident clinician on our first session that we had with the artist Mona Leo, um, who's from the Houston area. And then we had some really great people um, talk in between um, to do different sessions around self-care and wellness. I love this role playing session that we did. We had parents and their kids come and role play different scenarios. And then we had Dr. Spirit to kind of moderate that and talk through it. It was so good and so impactful. It was everything. So it was wonderful. We had probably about, um, I don't know, 50 or 60 people in attendance. We had over 300 people watching online. So that was great. And it's up. If you missed it, it's actually you can watch the whole thing in its entirety on our YouTube page. So that was really great for us. Um, and we're hoping to make it you know, even bigger and better next year. Um, but that is one of our signature events you know, that we do at the organization. And one thing I also want to announce, we're really excited that we um, were a part of a global hackathon that Microsoft did and they chose our organization. So we're going to launch, I don't know if it's going to be this year or if it'll be early 2023, but um, Microsoft is building us an app. And so we will have, um, you know, just more resources and more content available. And we're going to be doing some really cool things, um, hopefully around AI, eventually with, you know, artificial intelligence and just some really cool stuff that's coming down the pipe. So hopefully, you know, we can partner again with you, Dr. Shonda. They're going to be revamping our website and hopefully allowing us to just have more um, bandwidth for global resources, um, not even just in the U.S. So some really exciting stuff going on. We're still only five years in as an organization, but, you know, we do work with the NAMIs of the world and all these bigger organizations. You know, we feel like we're right there in the trenches. So it's really exciting, and I appreciate you for supporting Silence to Shame um, throughout the pandemic, and and um, we're here to support one another. Oh, I will always support Silence to Shame. Like the initiative is just like amazing, um, and in the event that y'all had, like I'm an events type of person, so mm-hmm. I, I pay attention to like oh that that screen that y'all got that in the background, the audio, the technology, like the you know everything. Like I said, was done in the spirit of excellence. So like and yeah, I really have to shout out our staff. Um, Jewel Gooding, who is our executive director, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. She comes with over 20 years of experience. She used to work for Mental Health America of Georgia, and then our partners, the Gathering Spot. Um, were great just in terms of the venue and the type of, you know, technology that they had um, for us 
within the event was great. And then the rest... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. The rest of our team, you know, Megan and Katie and Tamir and Brianna, Aaron, Jordan, Free, everybody's awesome and, and just did a great job in making that event a huge success. So we're a small and mighty team, but, um, you know, everybody's very professional and, you know, um, Jewel, you know, oversees the day-to-day operations of the organization and definitely leads by example and and gives us like this standard of excellence, you know, that we want to be able to put out um, into the space. And so we're we're just trying to do our part. Yes. I, listen, I'll, I'm there next year. Whether you have me as a speaker again or not, Yay. I'm there in person. It was just that phenomenal um, of an event. And it was just great uh, just seeing you partner with so many different organizations and bridging the gap between community and clinicians and just yeah. seeing everyone like talking and just um, collaborating ideas. Dr. Spirit, like asking questions amongst yeah. the audience. Was amazing. Um, I, I might have to bring that to my church. So I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I want to recommend you for something next year. This is my second year. I'll be doing the mental wealth expo with our heart media. Um, and Charlotte, it's Charlemagne, the God's uh, event that he does in New York city. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of different speakers, but I'm going to be on the, the, the panel again for black women's mental health, but mm-hmm. I want you to be on that big stage. So I'm going to recommend them um, oh. <laughs> Charlemagne about the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Auntie Shanti, wherever you want me, I'm there. Look, you can say, let's go to Dubai next week and have a minute. <laughs> going. <laughs> well, you know, that is one thing. I do a lot of speaking on the side, Dr. Shonda. So I've um, I've spoken and shared my story at major corporations from yeah. Def Jam, Sony Music, EA Sports, HBO, Spotify, YouTube music, all those folks. So a lot of times I do speaking engagements and I need therapists. So if you're interested, there's a lot we can do and maybe we will be overseas one day. I'm there. I'm there. It's nothing but a word. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> awesome. And and Silence the Shame Day is coming up pretty soon, right? Well, that's not till May. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's May 5th. But um, I, you know, just want to encourage your listeners to go to our website at www.silenceashamed.com. Check us out. We just launched an end of year giving campaign. So again, we are a grassroots organization. So and we are a 501c3 organization. So if you want to donate to us, you can text the word silence, S-I-L-E-N-C-E to 707070 or just go on the website to donate. I love it. Um, can you tell us where we can actually find you too? Yeah, you can follow me um, on Instagram or Twitter at Shanti Das 404, S-H-A-N-T-I-D-A-S 404. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, I'm launching my own um, personal brand called Mibo, M-I-B-O, M-I for mind, B-O for body. I'm going to be launching uh, the Mibo apparel line. Um, in October, and I'm starting the Mebo podcast. Well, I'll actually talk about mental and physical health because I went through some physical health issues last year. So I'm going to be talking to celebrities and influencers around mental and physical health. I just want to be like you when I grow up and just you know, have all these different things I'm doing uh, while impacting the community. Like that, that's my goal. You are well on your way. 
So anything I can do to support you, know that I'm here. And who knew that you were a twin? Tell your twin hello. I'm still, I couldn't believe I was on Instagram. Like, what? <laughs> I thought I was seeing double. That's so awesome that you were a twin. I love that. Thank you. Everybody thinks when I post her that it's like Photoshop, that I just like duplicated myself. And I'm like, no, y'all, I haven't. And I know you said she works for the NFL. In 2020, we were the um, mental health charitable partner for the NFL Players Association. And I I hosted the NFL did a mental health seminar in Atlanta in 2019. And I hosted the entire day for them. I was the I was the MC. Yeah, it was really cool. That's amazing. See, one day, one day. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Auntie Shanti, for coming through the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. Yes. Um, any final words you would say to our listeners? Uh, it is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. I just want to remind everyone that there is a new resource number. You can dial 988 if you are in crisis, if you or your loved one is in crisis. You can still dial the number 800-273-TALK, which is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. But more importantly, let people in. I know it can be scary. I know it can be hard. And I know sometimes we just physically don't have the strength and courage to let people in. But if you do have the strength and and, and the wherewithal to talk to someone, let people in. Because I'll say when I was going through my suicidal ideation, it wasn't that I wanted to die. I just wanted the pain to go away. So give yourself some space and grace um, to go through that, but allow yourself um, the vulnerability of letting somebody in because we want you here. Yes, we want you here. Space and grace because we want you here. Yeah. Thank you again, Shanti, for coming through. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. absolutely. We definitely got to plan some more things together. I'm so in. Let's do it. Paging Dr. Shonda. Y'all know who to call. call. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Listeners, make sure you guys tune in every Wednesday to listen to the audio version. And you can watch the video version on Thursday evenings at 9 p.m. on YouTube. And don't forget, you have the power to create the emotions that you want to experience. God bless. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.